Thanks for joining me on this journey to building authority online and sharing your message with a world who desperately needs to hear it. I'm your host, Valerie Morris, and I am excited to share today's interview with you. Today's podcast is brought to you by the book, We're All Ears. This is your guide to building influence, impact, and success online in a noisy world. This book is unique because I included experts' knowledge as well as things that I've learned along the way to help give you the tools you need to get your message out there. Without further ado, let's dig in. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I've got Laura Peterson from Copy That Pops, and I am thrilled to have her here with us today because she does some pretty cool things with podcasts and books and kind of in a way that I don't think most people really think would work well together or, you know, it really does work well, but people don't even connect those dots and she's done that. So super excited to have Laura here and share with some of her expertise and, um, just about her amazing journeys, um, kind of building authority online for both herself and her clients. So Laura, why don't you tell us a little bit about your expertise and just kind of like, you know, what people know you for in the world? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me. And I think I got mostly no, well, my background is in teaching. I should start a little bit backwards. So my background is in education. I was a big nerd in school. I was a high school math and psychology teacher, which is a very odd combination. So that maybe gives everyone a clue that I'm like multi-interested in a million things, still am. And I love teaching, but after about five years, I just had this like desire in me. I was like, I have to be an entrepreneur. It was a bug that was planted in me at age 21. And then by age 30, I had been teaching for about five years and I was like, okay, I mastered the teaching thing. Now, like I just, I can't just stay in the, the box of being a teacher, even though it still had more flexibility and more time off to travel than most other jobs. So I started a tutoring and test prep company. That was kind of the first thing that was like a natural progression from my wheelhouse and my strengths. So I started a company with a, with a partner and we helped primarily with high school math, SAT prep. So I even would jump in on the weekends and I would teach SAT prep to help people maximize their score and, and get ready for college and all that. And I loved it. But after a couple years there too, I kind of, my heart wasn't in it as much anymore because I truly believe that high school and college doesn't fully prepare everyone for the life that they're going to find when they graduate. And it's not that it's terrible, but it's not for everyone. And I've gotten increasingly more entrepreneurial. So I just kind of like felt disingenuous coaching people, kids on how to get perfect SAT scores when really I'm not even sure if college is necessarily the right path for them. So anyway, I got more and more into digital marketing, ended up with a friend starting a podcast production company. So that's how I got into podcasting was really through the back end of it. So even before I launched my own show, Copy That Pops, I was helping on the back end of other shows. Okay. mostly in the content marketing side of things because I'm like a nerd for writing and content creation with the background in teaching. And my business partner in that, he would do the audio editing and I did all like the content side of stuff. So I got really into social media marketing and how to repurpose this content. So what is this great audio? How can we transcribe it and then inspire it to be turned into different blog articles and social media posts and tweets and all this stuff all over the place. So that's kind of how I transitioned from tutoring into more digital marketing. Okay. And after working with many clients, I thought, you know what? I need to start my own show, my own podcast, because I'm just obsessed with podcasting. 
And I need to know what it feels like truly to start from zero with your own brand. And so I launched my show in uh, April 2016. Okay. Even though I wasn't 100% ready, I could have pushed that off because there's like a billion things you want to make perfect, right? And I was like, you know what? I made this public date that I was going to launch in April 2016 and I'm just going to make it happen. So I did. I was actually living in Germany at the time to make things more complicated. And at the, by the end of 2016, here's where we transitioned into books because I never thought about writing a book, although it seems ironic now looking back. But I was feeling frustrated at the growth of the podcast production company because we were getting amazing referrals, but it wasn't kind of growing at the speed I wanted. And so I had three different people in one week say to me, why don't you write a book to really stand out and like position yourself as an expert? Because you can, you know, I've seen your emails, you can write this stuff in your sleep. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about that. But you're right. I looked around at all the different big entrepreneurs and they're like, they all have a book in common. Not everyone necessarily has a podcast, but they all have a book. So it's like, okay, let me do that. So I launched my first book at the end of 2016. And as a result of that, I had so many people like instantly and all throughout 2017 reach out to me and say, I want to do that to help me with my book, help me hit bestseller on Amazon, help me figure out this whole book thing that I got such a demand for that, that I ended up letting the podcast production go because business-wise, people can outsource podcast production a lot faster than they can outsource coaching them on writing a book and hitting the strategy around hitting bestseller. So it just seemed like a better business niche and fit for me. And that's what the Copy That Pops brand has now morphed into. So even within my show, we've covered all different elements of copy, but now we focus on books even more so because I'm just really obsessed with the power of books. Long story short. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And then, so right now, like, do you help people that have written a book or they're writing a book to Mm -hmm. get ranks as a bestseller on Amazon? Yes. Yeah. I think that's maybe one of the top draws of people is like, maybe they've thought about writing a book at some point, or maybe they've got a book that there's kind of not doing anything with, but then they see, oh, wow, being able to hit number one in relevant categories on Amazon is well within your reach. It's totally possible. And they get excited by that possibility. And I truly believe, even if you don't hit bestseller anywhere, being a published author, period, gives you a level up. It makes people's eyes open wider when you say I'm a published author. Like There's just this magic and respect instantly around books. So just taking that action and publishing a book is amazing, period. Being able to hit number one bestseller on Amazon in a relevant category is the next level. People get even more excited about that. And then if you can get to New York Times and all that stuff, that's cool too. But let me just, spoiler alert, you can buy that. If you have $50,000, a marketing budget and the right connections, you can have that too if you want. So it's kind of like the closer you get to the sun and like the more you're inside the game, you know that it's like a game and everything can be done if you want. Like you can get to new new and noteworthy number one iTunes like easily as well. It's it's all algorithms if you know how it works. So some people might discount it like, oh Amazon seller is easier than I thought, but hey, I say go for it. And that's something that a lot of people are drawn to because they're like, yeah, that looks so fun and cool. I want to have that that claim to fame as well. And I help them with that. Wow. So now you still have your podcast though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I never want to let go of it. 
How do you, how do you leverage that with your book and vice versa? Do they work in tandem? Yeah, I would say so. Cause inside my book, I reference my podcast all the time. And I even used examples from my podcast, especially in my first book, but even in the second one, cause my first book is all around copywriting for podcasters. So it's like the perfect nerdy overlap of writing and podcasting. That was my first book. Yeah. So I use examples from other people and other people's shows because I don't think I'm like the be all and end all in every category and every topic that we could talk about. But I absolutely use examples from my show and from my experience. So someone who maybe finds me on Amazon, reads my book, they may not know I have a podcast, but now they do in reading it. So they'll come and find my show and now they'll get to hear my voice and engage with me further and learn about my free Facebook group and all the other stuff I do. But then people who maybe find me first from the podcast I mention that I've written two books as of this date, but more are coming, and that I've helped other clients do it. So they also discover my books and my clients' books from the podcast. So I think it's a great overlapping channel. And then also, just to go further, you could create content on your podcast, transcribe it, and then use it as a foundations or pieces of your book. So you can repurpose the audio from your podcast into your book, like I did with my first one, like you're working on right now. <laughs> and then with your book, let's say you write like this amazing book, you could literally open up a chapter and say, hey guys, I'm going to read you a portion from my book. This is on page 29. It's a great topic. Just read it. And then discuss a little bit more and say like, here's how it now applies to me one year later after I've written this or whatever. So you can use them both intertwined. Like the, it's, they're not isolated in, in separate silos. That's great. Yeah. So um, it's so interesting because in digital marketing, it seems like everything kind of intertwines and like mm -hmm. channels on digital can help support the other channels. So For sure. um, that's so great. Now, um, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of using either of these two channels to help build up their brand, their personal authority, like to be seen as a thought leader? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that some people are kind of like, what should I start first? Mm -hmm. And I think you really can't go wrong. It might be more of where are you more comfortable? Start there. So some people feel more comfortable speaking then they do writing. Okay, maybe you start with a podcast then. And you can start working out some kinks and getting more clarity as you create those shows and start to see, okay, this is what I really want to write my book on. Some people might feel more comfortable writing over speaking. So maybe start with the outline to your book and get the book going. And you could even, like we talked about, use some of those pieces to then create content for your podcast as a result. I personally am more comfortable writing than I am speaking. Now, I've been working on doing a better job in speaking, so some people listening might not assume that, but if you go back and listen to my first episodes of my show, I, I won't even listen because I'm too embarrassed to hear them. <laughs> I'm sure they don't sound as clear and confident and you know, not as many ums and false starts as I maybe do now, and I've now been pushing into public speaking more and stuff, which is something that historically scared the bejeebers out of me, but... <laughs> having a podcast actually helped me with that. So that's like a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down. It's just the added benefits of doing a podcast. But I think that you can start either way, whatever you feel more comfortable in, you can't go wrong. Taking action is never going to make anything wrong. The only way you can fail is by giving up, quitting and doing nothing or just like overthinking until just time flies by and you have done nothing. Yeah. 
So I really think just take action either way. It's going to be great. Now, a little bit of a mental framework for me, I see a book as a lot of effort up front and then leverage it forever. And for me, I see a podcast as less effort up front, but more ongoing effort. Because I, I see my podcast as something I want to continue doing forever until the future. I can't, unfortunately, in the future. So it's not as much upfront work, but I kind of still need to do something to make sure it comes out every week kind of a thing. So, but I think that there's benefits, pros and cons to both of those. So with a podcast, I'm releasing fresh content constantly and staying really active. With a book, I'm doing a lot of effort up front, but then, you know, dust off my hands, I'm done and I can leverage that on and on and on. So I think that they have different compliments, but then when you add them together too, and you can say, I'm both the host of a podcast and an author of a book, like that's just a double whammy and you're even more credible in everyone's eyes. Yeah. Now, how have you seen, have you seen that people truly like their yes. changes? Like when yes. you hear that you're a published author and that you have, you're a host of a podcast, <laughs> it just sounds really impressive. Do you see that physical yeah. people? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's, I think it's, it's, it's twofold. So one, it's more inner confidence in me mm. and that reflects out too. So like, I'm not someone who's like a bullshit artist. Like if I don't feel it, I can't fake it. I, my background is truly teaching. I feel like as people get to know me, they see me as being genuine and authentic. Like I can't lie. I can't, you know, so even though I knew my stuff with podcasting. I knew my stuff with copywriting. I still had that imposter syndrome in my head. And I can't say it's 100% gone. I don't know if it ever is for people. But once I put out a book, I was like, you know what? That's like another big check off the list of things that people see as credible. And when I got so much great feedback afterwards of like, wow, I can't believe you did that. That's awesome. It started to reinforce the confidence inside me and be like, even just the process of writing it. And I got it all on paper. I was like, dang, I do know a lot. Because when you keep it all in your head, sometimes you forget all the stuff you really do know. So by just putting it out there, the first big thing was increasing internal self-confidence, which reflects out. Then the second thing I absolutely can say with both a podcast and a book, but I would say more so with a book, to be honest, there's this magic around it and people think of it as this big deal. So I just say we have to take advantage of this psychologically because in the past, you couldn't write a book if you wanted to. You had to be, you know, have, be selected by the, you know, you would write these book proposals and send them to publishers all over the country and the world and you would just get no, no, no. You know, you just get a bunch of no's. It was like you had to get super lucky you had to be super connected or you had a ton of money to be able to break through those and get a yes from the very few tastemakers. That's done now. You can literally, once your book is ready, you can upload and have it live on Amazon within 24 to 72 hours at $0. There are no more gatekeepers for that. You choose yourself. But not everyone necessarily knows that. Or even though they do know that, there's still this magical fairy dust around a book because of the past that it used to be hard. And I don't know if that'll last forever, but I, it, it's working now. So <laughs> I say we take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, growing up, I had an uncle who had his doctorate and had written a book, you know, mm-hmm. dissertation, and that was like, 
you know, this really impressive thing whenever there was a new edition that came out of it. And now looking back, I'm like, that was so silly that like, right? they'd made a few edits and then it was like this fancy big thing, but like, it is a big deal to write a book and it, it, it well, I mean, it's a long mental process. It's an emotional process. I know because I've been working on one um, mm-hmm. and you know, so it is a big, it's, it's a big deal, but you're right. There is this mental stigma around it that, um, you know, a lot of people, it means a lot to a lot of people. So. Yeah. Which I think is a great thing because we can leverage it, but don't let it be such a big deal in your mind that it slows you down or makes you think you can't do it because you can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have to leverage it the right direction. Don't let it overwhelm us and just sink us into the floor and do nothing. Let us see it as, wow, like this is a window of opportunity. Let me take advantage of it. Everyone and their mom is going to think I'm really super cool for doing this. And you know what I know? I took action. Like taking action anytime is a good thing. So yeah. Wow. Um, so have you seen with your yourself or your clients, like people being able to leverage their podcast or their book to like be able to get to a new level or like do something mm-hmm. in their business or in their career because of having the business or the pod, the podcast or book? Yes. So I'll give you an example first with career. So a client of mine, his name is Larry Roberts. He also has a podcast. So shout out to Larry. When he wrote his book through with me, with my program, he, right after it went live, he ended up having, it was coincidental. He had a review at his work because he still has a nine to five and they gave him like extra stars. I don't know, like credits on your review on your annual review. I don't know what it is anymore, but they gave him extra bonus points because he had published a book that had literally nothing to do with his career. But they saw that as a valuable thing that one of their employees was taking amazing action and improving themselves and stepping out into the light. So they actually gave him bonus points on his annual review of his business. (laughs) He didn't expect it. He didn't go into it thinking that, but he was just like, dang, that's awesome. Uh, I have a, another client, Jana Brissenden. She said that her teenage kids, the favorite result she had of the book was her, the look in her teenage kids' eyes when they saw their mom have a book on Amazon that was number one. Their, the kids were like, mom, that's so cool. You're like a celebrity. She said that was better than anything else that would ever do because it's hard to get teenagers to care about stuff. And like, <laughs> she was just like, that's the coolest ever. I have, for me, myself, I ended up, because of my book and because of the action and the sharing I was taking around it, I was invited to speak on the podcast cruise that doesn't happen all the time anymore, got to know the guys who run it better, and guess what? They're the founders of Podcast Movement too, and just got to speak on stage at Podcast Movement this past July. I still applied like everyone else, but I'm 100% sure that my speaking on the podcast Mm -hmm. cruise right? Helped it, you know, in my relationship building with them. So it's nothing happens in a silo. Like you said, with the book, with the podcast, with networking, it all comes together. You have to do it all. But you know, here, here's like a summary of it all. Psychologically, why do we share things? Why do we invite others to speak on our stage, to speak on our podcast? It all comes down to status. And I know that might sound like egoists at first, but we all want to raise our status and 
we see if we share someone else. So like if I were friends with Gary Vee, I'd be sharing that like crazy. Not just because I think that he has great stuff, but because he has higher status than I do. So if I share his stuff by extension, some of his status credits come and shine on me. That's why people are taking photos of celebrities all the time, you know? Right. Now, of course, some of that doesn't work, but, <laughs> but we, are, we all care about our status. Yeah. So if someone is putting on an event and you want to speak on their stage, you have to think about what's in it for them. They want to raise the status of their event. So they sell more tickets, so they get more positive feedback, so they get more social shares. So you have to add value to that. If you want to speak on stage, let's say, and you can say, I'm a published author, I hit bestseller, I run a podcast, I do X, Y, Z, that's going to show that your status is high enough so that these people, even if they're running an event, they don't know you, are going to be more likely to take a risk on it because they see that you've done these other things to raise your status. So they're more confident that you're going to add value and raise their status of their event and their brand. So it's just all these little pieces of a toolkit and a tool belt that comes together to help raise your status and give other people the confidence that you're serious, you're legit, you're going to stick around and you're going to follow through on your word by showing these credibility indicators like books, like podcasts, like all this other stuff. Wow. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like when you spell yeah. that, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so much to do. So no I know, right? <laughs> One thing at a time though. I know, baby steps, baby steps. Um, so like when, when anyone kind of asks me questions about digital marketing or like they come, they have questions about social media or their website, a lot of times people are looking for like that silver bullet that's going to yeah. like make them rich, that's yeah. going to do everything for them, that's going to solve all their problems. Um, and the reality is, is a book and a podcast are not going to solve all their problems. But, um, I heard someone talk about this concept a little bit um, a while back, and I think it was an, I thought it was a very interesting um, topic of conversation is, and I'm curious to see what you think of it is, is there a difference between making money from a podcast or a book and because of a podcast or a book? And I, yeah. I don't know if that question makes sense to you at all, but um, you know, how much money are you actually going to make from, you know, operating your podcast? Do you, Basically, mm. make money every time you have a podcast episode or every time you put a book out into the world. Because I know the bookmaking mm -hmm. business can be a little pricey sometimes, and the margins are not mm -hmm. necessarily you know huge mm -hmm. margins. You make a lot of money from the book itself or the podcast itself, or because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that question makes so much sense. And with both a podcast and a book, you absolutely can make money. Like with a podcast, you could get sponsors. And honestly, you could get sponsors even if you're brand new because podcasting is a very growing avenue. There aren't as many like pricing metrics and things. It's not as like, um, it's not as mature of an audience as like TV ad buys or like banners on it or like whatever it you see on the signs when you drive down the road or whatever, like those are more, there's more data and there's more stuff behind it. So podcasting is more of a new frontier. So you could definitely reach out to a company that wants to get in front of a target market, even if it's a small audience and make a deal. It might even be like 50 bucks an episode and I will shout out your thing or work it into the content as like native ads or whatever. Like, but it takes work. You need to hustle and you need to go out and ask and you have to be willing to get no's. So not everyone wants to do that. Um, the same with the books. You can make money from books. You absolutely make royalties on every sale, but you're splitting the cost with Amazon because they have the infrastructure and 
they're doing like the on-demand printing. If you go through them, which I 100% recommend because I, I have no interest in sourcing my own printer and putting stuff in my garage. I don't even have a garage. I live in San Diego. Come on. <laughs> uh, so you absolutely can make money from both of those directly and you can optimize your book on Amazon so it gets found more. You can run ads inside of Amazon. You can do tons of stuff to do that. But for me, my ideal clients at least are people who are like me, where I don't run any ads on my podcast and I don't even really bother trying to get my books in front of a ton and a ton of people because I see them as tools to grow my business, which I sell products and services of my business. I see those as means to an end to grow my brand and business more. So if I make money from them directly, awesome, I'm happy, but it's not the end goal for me, at least not right now. And more specifically too, I can say like with my books, they're super niched to podcasters and that's a growing field. So it's not like a million people a day are going on Amazon and searching for how do I approve the copy of my podcast? Like that's just not happening. So I don't make very many sales at all, but I don't care because I still have this printed book because I can buy like 10 copies at a time and put them in my on my desk here and I can give them as gifts and I can raffle them off as prizes if I speak at an event or, you know, do a Facebook live and say like the first person to give me a great example of XYZ wins this book and I can just ship it to them for five to 10 bucks in the mail or whatever. So there's so many ways that you can use your podcast and book way beyond just making money directly from it. It's definitely possible, but it's hard work too. It's like back to your magic bullet thing. I think I wasted a lot of time a lot of years in my business development looking for that one thing, that one guru who's going to tell me that one secret to make all the money and lay on a beach and just like sit margaritas and do nothing else. <laughs> like I thought, I thought that was real. Like I thought that for a while, but ultimately in the end, it's all these things layered on top of each other, giving value and then time. You have to let it grow. It's like planting seeds in a garden, which you probably know way more than I do because <laughs> of your background. But like if you, let's say you plant a hundred seeds, when it comes time to harvest, each one of those 100 isn't going to be a full grown plant with fruit blooming out of it, but you don't know which of the hundred will sprout. So you need to water all of them and you need to put sun on all of them and you need to give time for all of them to grow. And then some might surprise you the ones that sprouted and the other ones, you know, didn't go anywhere and that surprised you. I don't know. Like there's no, but there's no solution other than keeping on going, never quitting and tending to that garden and letting them have a chance to grow and bloom. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So to expand on that analogy, which yeah. is a great analogy, um, you know, a lot of times you'll plant a lot of seeds knowing that you're going to thin out the garden. Mm. So like you might plant like a ton of lettuce seeds or a ton of carrot seeds and then once you see them start to pop up and you see where they're actually, like how close they are to each other, you can mm. pick out the other ones so that it's not as thick and you, and that plant has room to grow. So, oh my um, gosh, that's, that's so cool with, you know, digital marketing and building authority online is like you, you try out a lot of things, you start a lot of things not to say that you're going to stop and start things, but you're going to like focus on what's working. What's the healthiest plant mm -hmm. that's going to give you the best return for your time. Absolutely. Like yeah. I didn't just quit teaching and start copy that pops and like automatically start charging high prices for people to help with bestseller. Like I had years 
of trying different things, it not working, it just not working with my personality, trying different business partnerships. It didn't, wasn't a perfect fit, but oh, I learned from this and now I do that. Like it's years of putting it into it, but I wouldn't change it. So that's great. So before we head off, um, last question I want to ask you is, you know, if you had just um, a couple of pieces of advice to anyone who's out trying to build online authority, whether, you know, whether it's through a book or a podcast or not, um, what advice would you give people to, who are wanting to build their online authority? Yeah, you know, I have another analogy I think that really helps. It helps me conceptualize it. Is I was a big nerd in school, and I knew if I do these five things, I will get an A on this test. If I do these 10 things, I'll get an A in this class. If I get an A in all these classes, I'll have a GPA of this. If I have a GPA of that, I'll be able to go to this college. If I go to this college, like it was a very clear path and I knew what to do to get to each thing. And in addition, we all know that someone who has a PhD is more of an expert than someone who just graduated from high school. It's yeah. very clear and linear. It's well-defined. With entrepreneurship, it's a bit more foggy and fuzzy and not as clear. It's a bit more of a squirrely, you know, beast. Yeah. But I, I like to think of kind of almost having like a report card kind of a thing in your mind too around building your authority for business. So I've got, I've actually got 10 things and maybe that's too many to go into this, but I've got a guide that we can give away for free that goes over it. But one of them is books. So if you have a book, if you're, someone can find a published book on Amazon, which is the biggest bookseller, it doesn't even matter if it's in a store anymore. If you have a book, check that box, like give yourself an A, you know, you've got a pillar. If you host a podcast, awesome, check that box. You've got an A in that one. If you're a guest on other podcasts, start checking that box and you can always add more and you can always get on bigger shows and bigger names, whatever, but just start anywhere. I don't care if the show has two people listening. Let's talk because it's great. And you're connecting with the host, by the way, too. So like your time is never lost with a podcast. Check that box. If you publish blog articles on your website, check that box. If you guest blog on other ones, check that box. If you have an active social media presence on any and all of the different channels, check those boxes. The more of these boxes you check and the more time that you give it to percolate and the more relationships you build, the higher and higher you are going to naturally be moving up in the ranks of authority. A hundred percent. That is like, you cannot fail if you keep on doing that. Yeah. Great. I love that analogy. I love that. Like all those different things, because it's true. All of those, all of those, all of those different things are seen as, oh, wow, she must know something about that topic. You know, if they're, if she's out talking about it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Perception really is reality. Um, of course, For sure. I will tell if people are actually living up to that perception, but um, that's a whole other, a whole other topic. Well, and on that, if I'll jump in, one of my other things too is evidence of business success. Mm -hmm. So I am a huge proponent of asking for video testimonials because written ones can be totally fudged or I even take screenshots. Anytime someone writes something really nice about what I've done or helped with on anywhere, mm -hmm. I take a screenshot. And if it was like private, I'll say, can, is it okay if I use this or I can blur out your name or whatever. But I like taking actual, actual screenshots of actual people saying things about me or what I've done and 
in addition, asking them to do a video testimonial because then it's real. Like no one can think that you fake it, faked it at all. And the more you have of those, the less there is for question. Like this person knows her stuff. If you go to my website, copythepops.com, at the very top, it's like a simple call to action and stuff. Directly below it, the very first thing you'll see after that is like 12 testimonial videos of different people. So like, I don't know, if you go there and you watch 12 videos of real people saying real experiences with me, I don't see how you could question whether or not I'm, I'm to be taken seriously. It might just be a matter of you don't like my style or my teaching ways or my personality or my offers or the price, whatever. Like there's other things that maybe aren't a fit, but you can't say I'm not legit and I'm just like a fly-by-night scam artist, you know? So I'm a big proponent of asking and getting those real reviews and showing them off and sharing them. That's such great. It inspires other people too. Because then they're like, oh, it doesn't just work for nerdy math teachers. Like it also works for like a mom or like a college student who's studying business. Like there's, you know, they see themselves in, in your examples too. That's so great. Thanks so much for that extra bonus piece of it. Sure. <laughs> well, before we sign off here, um, why don't you tell everyone kind of how can they engage with you and Copy the Pops beyond this podcast? Sure. Well, yeah. So my main website, or the only website, I shouldn't say main, but like, <laughs> the headquarters is copythatpops.com. And then I could give you two free ways to get more help and engage with me further. So one I kind of hinted at with this guide. If you type in copythatpops.com forward slash supremacy, the word supremacy, I have this kind of king queen theme going. So that's why the word supremacy in each of those letters spells out, it's like a, they're, what's it called? An acronym for <laughs> these different things you want to put out there to build your authority. So right. books is one, and then there's nine other ones. So books is actually like the 10th. I call the books as a lead domino. It helps you get all these other nine ones even easier. Okay. So they can get a free guide and it's like a PDF and you can download it right away and, and go through it and and see kind of more of my thinking on that. And then if you're wanting to write, self-publish, hit bestseller, and leverage a book, I have a free Facebook group that you're actually a part in too, Valerie. So you can see us both in there. <laughs> so if you go to copythatpops.com forward slash Facebook, that will redirect you over there. So you don't have to go searching for it. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice community where people ask questions. I'm active in there all the time. And I have had people who never bought any of my products, courses, and coaching, anything, but just through that group and my free blog and podcast content hit number one on best on Amazon. Wow. So, yeah. So, and I'm happy to help anyone at every, every level. It's just a matter of like, do you want more one-on-one -on -one time or less? It's, like, it's just totally up to you. But I'm a teacher by heart, so I'm just happy to help as many people to do it too. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love that you're still teaching people. Yeah, just a different way. Formal education system anymore. So mm -hmm. thank you so much. And thank you for all of the education you provided today. This is really, really helpful. And, and I think it's going to be really helpful for people that are out really trying to build their thought leadership and online presence and be taken seriously as an authority in their niche. So thank you so much, Laura. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Anytime.